0: right? You know, some mornings you wake up in the morning and it's just not that hard to say praise God from whom all blessings flow. And if you looked out the window, today is one of those days. My name is Tom. I'm the pastor here. And I'm just so very grateful that we have this opportunity to worship together. Um, It's been exciting to see new people or people that haven't been around for a while coming back each and every week, each and every service. I feel it's like a mini uh, family reunion, uh, which has been so encouraging. And if you're new to this family of God, I would love to, to hear from you as well and invite you into some of the things that God is doing in his name through this place. Uh, the way that we welcome you is encouraging you to fill out what we call the Connect Card. Um, there's a link here on the screen. If you're online, it's in the description, and you can let us know who you are and how you learned about our church so that we can reach out and thank you for worshiping with us. Also, if you're new or not, if you have a prayer request, if there's a way we can serve you, uh, we would ha- be privileged to be able to do that for you, and you can let us know through the connect card as well if you'd like to give an offering as an act of worship you can do that as you enter or exit the sanctuary Um, here in person there's an offering box or online you can give it the link in the description or on the screen or you can even text any amount and we thank and praise God for each and every one of you who continues to do that as an act of worship yourself every time we give an offering it's God it's us coming before God and saying God You've given me everything. Uh, You've you've sustained me through today um, because I'm here and my heart is beating and and I have air to breathe and life to live. And so I give you a portion of that back as a thank offering and then God uses those thank offerings to bless the world. So so thank you, those of you who continue to participate that way. Um, Another thing I want to share with you and I'll I'll share it in a a very specific intentional sequence, okay? First of all, show of hands, how many of you like chocolate chip cookies? Okay, all right, keep your hands up. How many of you would like to have a chocolate chip cookie before you leave? All right, we would love to give you a chocolate chip cookie before you go. Not me, but Tanya Huberts, our Connections Coordinator, would love to give you a freshly baked chocolate chip cookie before you leave church. Can you tell there's going to be a string attached to this cookie? Can anybody tell? Uh, she has a little handout uh, that she's going to be handing out that shares with you the ways in which we need your help to volunteer on our welcome team. Uh, you may have noticed that over the last year, we've really been bare bones and the number of people that we've had helping with greeting and ushering and communion and all those sorts of things and that's been intentional Um, but we want to invite more people to help carry that load and not just that um, but part of what makes this place so welcoming is seeing smiling familiar faces as we come and go Um, and we're also looking ahead to the summer months where we're going to be out at Man Park worshiping again is anybody else excited about that Um, and so we need your help to help set up, take down, greet, all the different things God's going to be calling us to do over that. So if you talk to Tanya on your way out she will give you a cookie and she will invite you to help with those things. So thank you for grabbing that and considering serving in that way. Uh, Last but certainly not least um, I'm going to invite Wendy Ellsworth to come forward because the last several weeks we've been praying that God would use us to answer prayers in Kenya through our missionaries Holly and Fred Okoth And she has an exciting update to share with you. So let's give Wendy a hand as she comes forward.
1: Good morning. Thank you again for welcoming me up here to give you the update. So two weekends ago, we welcomed Holly and Fred, our missionaries from Kenya, here to share their testimony and their vision for the school that God has helped them Build in Kenya, um, the Good News Maguena Academy. And after their testimony, we challenged you, our church family, to um, by the end of May raise $7,500 to put towards one classroom, and the church would match that um, to support one classroom for that addition. And last week, I gave you the update that we were just $1,600 away from that, and we had had an above and beyond donation of another $15,000 to support a fully um, extra classroom. to, this morning I'm coming before you. I'm um, just so thankful and with gratitude to this date, our church, along with the matching donation, has raised a total of $33,859. Yeah. Um, you know, we set out with the vision to build one classroom and God had different plans. Um, this almost fully funds their phase two um, goal, and we still have four weeks left in May. Um, Holly and Fred are just so grateful. I talked with them this past week, and they're blown away by our generosity. Um, They just thank you so much. Um, They wanted to let you all know that anything that is donated above and beyond that $40,000 for the phase two of the academy is going to go towards purchasing a van that can transport kids to and from the school and then they'll begin on phase three of the um, school building by adding another classroom and a dining hall hopefully by the next school year to be able to welcome more kids to that academy so thank you so much we also have this last Sunday for the lasagna um, dinner. Those proceeds will go towards um, the school as well. And so today is the last day to order online um, or at the welcome desk on your way out of church Next Saturday is the pickup for that. If you if you choose that option from three to five thirty here, um, or Sunday morning after the services. So thank you so much for all of the all of you that have ordered that yummy delicious meal um, and have supported Kenya. We just we just thank you so much for your generosity. Um, and then I have one more special announcement this morning. Um, today, actually yesterday was the 10-year anniversary of Pastor Tom's ordination. Um, and so we just wanted to recognize him today. Um, we just thank you so much uh, for your dedication to our church over the last 10 years. Um, it was actually in this very place 10 years ago that we prayed over Pastor Tom and set him apart um, in his, in God's call for his ministry here. Um, and so that day that you were ordained, We prayed over you, and you were just blessed um, by God and blessed, um, you blessed our church. So Jeremiah 3.15 says, then I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will lead you with knowledge and understanding. And God truly blessed our Our congregation, um, you were just a faithful, wise, and humble servant. And we thank you for everything that you have done for our church over the past 10 years. Um, And so... Um, if you would like to come up here, we have a small token of our appreciation. We're hoping his family can go enjoy his favorite meal of pizza um, in honor of this special, special day. And as we prayed over him 10 years ago, um, we just ask that you pray with, pray with us again. Um, if you would just outstretch an arm, um, outstretch your hand. If you're at home, um, join with us and bow your heads. Gracious Father, we come before you today thanking you and praising your name. Thank you for calling your son, Tom, to ministry and for letting us be a witness to his ordination 10 years ago. Thank you for filling him with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for providing him with the grace required to carry out his ministry to you each and every day. We thank you for his wisdom, his guidance, and everything he has done for us here at St. John's, across our community, and across the whole world. We praise you for the great mercy you have shown by sending Pastor Tom to shepherd us, to preach your holy word, to bring us new life in Christ, to nourish, forgive, heal, and strengthen us through the sacraments of your church. Lord, we just thank you for the gift of Tom's ministry and for all that we and so many others have received through his generous self-giving service. Lord, we ask that you bless Pastor Tom and his family. May you watch over them, guide them, and lead them throughout the next 10 years of his ministry to you. May you make each and every one of us more and more grateful of the precious gifts you have given him, May his generosity be a light that inspires us to say yes to the call that you have for us. The call to your loving and faithful servants just as you led Pastor Tom to that call. Lord, may your will be done in his life and in ours. Open our hearts now to your word. Let your spirit fill this place And bring you the good word through him. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you.
0: I've heard that three times now and I cried every time. (laughs) Um, Thank you. I I shared at the last service and I'll share the same and and then I'll add one thing that I I feel terrible for not adding last time. Um, When you're ordained in the Lutheran church and in most churches, um, you're not ordained until a church calls you. You can go to seminary, you can get the training, you can all of those things, but ordination doesn't come until a church allows you the privilege of serving God there. And that's what you've done for me. And so thank you. Um, you've known me long enough to know what you're getting <laughs> in the 10 years, and and we've grown together. And the thing that I, I failed to mention the last two services and, and need to mention this service is, is not just the, the calling that God has placed on my life, um, but at the end of this month, I celebrate 13 years of marriage to my wife, Alyssa. And, um, and she grew up as a pastor's kid. <laughs> and what that means is that she was not ignorant like I was to what this means for our life. And she chose to be obedient to God as well. And you have no idea what she does up front here to play violin. Some of you don't even know that's who that is. That is my wife, Alyssa. It just scratches the surface of who she is and the minister that she is to this congregation, uh, to so many of you, um, and, and to me. <laughs> and uh, we, we truly are partners and she's the better half of that partnership. And I'm belaboring that point because I failed to mention it the first two services. And so, um, praise God for her. (laughs) Please. And I would have made her come up here, but then I would have undone all of the honor that I brought to her by making her come up and stand in front of you. Um, So, thank you um, from our entire family. We're just so very grateful that we get to serve Jesus together. And that we get to dive into his word, um, which is what we're here to do. So, uh, if you would, please take out your Bible and uh, join together. We're in Philippians chapter 2. As I've been saying the last couple of weeks, because I know, you know, this last year has just been crazy, um, I want to encourage you to start bringing your Bible back to church. And so if you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. We've got a bunch of them here. We'd love to give it to you um, because what we learn and grow in is what God wants us to learn and grow in all week long. And so we want that to be in front of us every day uh, that we come before him and we hear his word. So join me together as we pray and ask God to speak to us now. Lord Jesus, I thank and praise you that you are God, that you are with us and that you are speaking your truth and, and, and your wisdom through these words, and and that the best any of us can do is, is to be a vessel, to be open to you doing your work and bringing your glory through us. And so I ask that to be true today as we open up your word and we speak it. May my words just further illuminate the truth that comes from you that would draw each and every person who is gathered either here or online to become closer to you today. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God you'll have to excuse me. I'm losing my voice. <laughs> so we'll see if we can get through this. I read a, I read a story um, just this last week. It was about a little boy. He was kneeling beside his bed in his evening prayers and his mom was there and his grandma was there. And he did what, what most children do and what lots of adults do too. He, he just kind of clenched his hands like this and closed his eyes and, and he was very soft-spoken as he began his evening prayers. He said, he said Lord God, Would you please bless mommy, bless daddy, bless our whole family, and would you bless me as I lay my head on my pillow to go to sleep? And then at that point in the prayer, he opened his eyes, and and he looked up, and in a much louder voice, he said, And will you please give me a brand new bicycle for my birthday? Amen. (laughs) Amen. And his mom said, son, you don't have to shout, God's not deaf. And the little boy said, mom, I know God's not deaf, but grandma is. (laughs) It'll make sense in a minute. (laughs) Today's the, the third week in our series, How Do I Pray, where we're turning to God's word And we're turning to the real life examples of different people in our own community to help us answer this very basic question. And and I want to say that, like, I want to name it because I've thought it the last three weeks. Like, maybe some of us are thinking, how do I pray? Is that, like, too basic of a question? Is this Christianity one on one? Shouldn't, Shouldn't we all just know? how to pray by now, and yet what I hear in my 10 years so far, Lord willing of ministry, over and over again, is that there are people who have even gone to church their entire lives who struggle with prayer. People who have been in church every single Sunday since they were an infant who struggle in a life of prayer. And I think maybe part of the reason is so much of how we've done church for generations is allowing someone else To pray for us. I mean, just think about it. When we come to church, right? Like we come to church and we sit down and we worship and someone else picks out the songs and sings them for us. Somebody else prays. Somebody else gives the sermon. Even when I was starting out as a pastor and the retired pastors in the last service were nodding so I'm not alone. Most of the prayers that I prayed were written for me. They were written in the hymnal. We prayed them together. We read them out. Or they came out of resources that we received as we were putting together our services. Even when I was writing my prayers, I would prepare them ahead of time. And I remember, those of you who have been around for a few years, you remember Tom Hilker. Um, He led our music for a season. And I remember one day he said to me, he said, what's in that binder you're holding all the time? And I was holding my prayers. And he said, get rid of that thing. Just pray. (laughs) And I'm so thankful that he challenged me all those years ago to do that. And it's not because there's anything wrong with praying prayers that have been written. I mean, I, I did that this morning. Every day I pray a prayer that's in my daily devotional. Maybe you pray the Psalms, right? In the scriptures, there's prayers that we can pray. But if we don't learn how to pray on our own, if we don't understand what it is that we're doing when we pray, what can often happen is we resort to prayers that just scratch the surface Of their potential. And what is the potential for prayer? We learned it last week. Prayer connects the present to the eternal. I want you to say that with me because I want this to sink in for us as we go through this series. Prayer connects the present to the eternal. Prayer, put another way, makes the things that are only possible in heaven possible on earth. And that's what we see in the second part of our reading that we're focusing on today. This whole sermon series and the prayer course that's being offered on Tuesdays and Wednesdays here is taking us through different parts of the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And last week we referenced the first part, in verse 9. Jesus said this, This then is how you should pray. Let's pray it together. Our Father in heaven hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name, thy name, however you're saying it. This is the way we were taught to pray. And before we get to the second part, we've got to better understand the first part because this informs what we're about to learn. Pete Gregg, he's the author of the prayer course that we're studying and a number of books on prayer. Uh, He wrote this, and I thought this was very powerful. He said, everyone prays. Even non-Christians pray. The difference when Christians pray is that they are climbing into the lap of their Heavenly Father. When Christians pray, they're climbing into the lap. I mean, just think about a child climbing into the lap of their Heavenly Father. Here's why this is important. Understanding to whom it is we're praying for is essential. Understanding to whom it is we're praying to excuse me, is essentially important. And and I think about this, and I think in that sense, you got to kind of give this young boy some credit, right? When he was praying with his mom and with his grandmother, he knew who he was praying to for a new bike, didn't he? It wasn't God. It was Grandma. And because it was Grandma, he prayed accordingly. And so ask yourself a question, just kind of introspection for a second. When I pray... Do I take into consideration who it is that I'm praying to? Do I take into consideration who it is that I'm praying to? I mean, you might begin by saying God's name. You just say, dear Heavenly Father, God, Jesus, Spirit, whatever. But are you actually thinking about who it is that you're praying to? That's why Jesus adds, hallowed be thy name. Lest we forget who it is That we're praying to. We're praying to God. We're praying to the one who created everything. We're we're praying to the one who sustains the heart in your chest so that it continues to beat and provides you with oxygen to breathe. We're praying to the one who everything and all of creation brings glory to. The source of life and truth. Hallowed be thy name. That's who we pray to. And it's not until after we say that. It's not until after we think about that and we focus our prayer on who it is that we're praying to that Jesus continues the prayer. In verse 10, he says, and say it with me, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, this, this whole series is based on the words of Jesus. Prayer connects the presence to the eternal prayer connects the present to the eternal and I've always just thought you know if Jesus teaches us to pray for something I've got to believe it's possible that the father will give it to us and, and I don't think we sit on this particular part of the Lord's prayer long enough he tells us to pray for heaven to come to earth Jesus tells us that we can ask the Father for that, that it's possible. And it brings us to the reading that we chose today in Philippians chapter 2 because Paul shows us what that looks like. Now, we've spent a lot of time in Philippians over the last number of years. It's a short letter in the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Paul to a church in a place called Philippine. And they have sent Paul during uh, his time of need, and, and he sent this letter of encouragement and thanks to them because they risked a lot of things to be able to support him. And in chapter 2, he encourages them specifically to live out this part of the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When he says this, verse 12, he says, Therefore, and if you have your own Bible, circle that word, therefore. We're going to come back to it in a second. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not just in my presence, but so much more now in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. To work out your salvation. Now what 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 is that and why does that matter? There's such emphasis today in the church on being saved. Being saved. And and there's nothing wrong with that, right? It's a wonderful thing to be saved. But Paul says that we're called to live out our salvation. It isn't just a one-time thing. We're called to live it in everything we do and everywhere we go and every word we pray. We live our salvation. And it's not to earn it. It's not because you're going to lose it. But it's in response to the prayer Jesus teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that leads me to another question. If that's what we're praying for, then how do we know what it is? How do we know what God's will is? If if Jesus tells us to ask for God's will, then we probably should know what his will looks like, shouldn't we? And to begin finding the answer to that question... We actually have to go back and look at who it is we're praying to. Now, I told you to circle, and Pammy, if you can put it back on the screen, uh, verse 12, at the very beginning, I told you to circle the word therefore. And the reason why is that wasn't added by the Bible translators just for flow. That word is an intentional word because the author, in this case Paul, is telling us that what he's about to say is important specifically because of what he just said. In other words, what he just said is going to inform how we understand what he's about to say. And I wanted you to circle that because I want you to remember that every single time you read Scripture and you see the word therefore, that means you got to go back. Whether you intended to go back or not, you got to go back and look at what it is. Look at the whole thought. And so let's look back because that's what Paul's telling us to do. What does he say before our reading? Verse 5, he says, In your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Verse 6, he describes Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. He didn't die in his sleep. He died on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This informs how we pray because Jesus is the one interceding for us our prayers to the father in heaven this is who we are praying to and if that's who we're praying to then very next word philippians two twelve, paul says therefore With Jesus' image and who he is in your mind and in your eyes. My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now so much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so that leads us to the next question. What is his good purpose? What is his good purpose? Well, It's the purpose of prayer. It's the purpose of prayer to bring heaven to earth. It's specifically what Jesus teaches us to pray for. And the reason the Apostle Paul is talking about all this is because he sees it played out in his very life. He sees an example of what this looks like in the church in Philippi because what they're doing for him looks a lot to him like Jesus. If you don't know the story, they sent one of their servants to bring him tangible support and he risked his life. He almost died supporting Paul. And so Paul is looking at this and saying, you guys are so faithful because that's what Jesus did for me. He came and died for me. That's God's will for us. And so when we come before God and we pray what Jesus tells us to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's what it looks like. Paul says it another way in First Thessalonians. He says this: he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, we read that verse like every Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> And every time I read that passage, I always struggle with two out of the three parts. I don't struggle with the prayer continually part. I know that's part of my relationship with God. He's with us always, everywhere. And so we should always be in relationship and communication with him, right? But rejoice always. That doesn't mean just when you feel like rejoicing. When he says give thanks in all circumstances, that part doesn't compute with me either. How do we do those things? Well we do those things because when you pray to God you know that the will of your father in heaven is what is going to inform whatever the circumstances are in your life you're asking him for help in. If you're up against the wall, if you're up against the challenge, if you're looking for forgiveness, if there's a weight you cannot bear and you come before God and you bring it to him, you can rejoice and you can give thanks as you pray because his will is going to be the answer to whatever it is you need. And that's why the things that you need aren't told to us by Jesus to be prayed for until... You pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You'll notice the order of the Lord's Prayer, right? He doesn't tell us to to pray yet for our daily bread. See, he doesn't have to tell us to do that because you don't need anybody to tell you to do that. See so your daily prayer, your daily bread, is anything that you need to sustain you, and everybody knows how to ask God for that. We just do that instinctively. God, will you help me with my job? Will you help me with my finances? Will you help me be able to sustain life? Right? Right. We pray that automatically. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. Deliver us from evil. None of those prayers come first because it's the will of God that informs how those prayers. Are answered. And the reason I point that out is because I just have to be honest with you, that is not always what I look for when I pray. That's not what I'm looking for. I don't think often enough about who it is that I'm praying to. And so if I'm not thinking about who it is that I'm praying to, I'm also not thinking about how he wants to answer my prayer. I'm thinking about how I want him to answer my prayer. Does anybody else struggle with doing that too? Show of hands. Okay, am I not alone? Please tell me I'm not alone. I do this a lot. And what I realize is if I come before God and I have a request and a challenge and I tell him how to fix it, I'm really no different than the boy praying for a new bike. And I'll tell you what I'm also like that's just like the young boy when I don't get what I want from God. You know what I do? I submit to him every time. No, I don't. You guys have known me for 10 years. (laughs) I pray louder. <laughs> do you do that? You don't get what you want? You just start praying louder. Now, does that mean that we can't pray for what we want? No. Even Jesus prayed for what he wanted. Look at the, the, the night that he was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed, right? He knew the cross. He knew where he was going. And this is how he prayed. He said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will be done, but yours. Jesus knew the cup that he was about to drink. He would die in the most brutal of ways. And yet he was fully human. And so he did what any fully human being would do who was facing what Jesus was facing. He said, Father, if there's any other way, would you spare me from this? You know why he prayed that? Because Jesus wasn't crazy. He wasn't crazy. Of course, he wouldn't want to go through all of that. But he also prayed and said, above what I want, I trust the will of the Father. And I just have to ask, how can Jesus, knowing where he's about to go and what's about to happen to him, how could he possibly pray that prayer? The only way he could pray that prayer is if he knows who he's praying to. If he knows that he's praying to a father, the good father in heaven, and if he knows the father, which he knows, he knows the father so well, he told the disciples, if you see me, you see him. He knows the father so well that he knows that if his father in heaven has deemed it necessary to allow his son to endure the cross and everything that goes with it, he must have a plan. And I pause there because I want to say to anybody here in the room right now or at home that if you're not getting what you want in your prayer right now, God must have a plan for you too. He's not finished yet. Don't lose hope. Even Jesus didn't get what he wanted in that prayer. He ended up taking the cup and dying. But we've been telling the story 2,000 years later now because three days after that, Jesus rose from the grave, didn't he? He didn't stay dead. And not only did Jesus not stay dead, but the Father's will for you and for me is that you won't stay dead either. And because Jesus is gone, He's literally gone to death and come out the other side. We know because of that truth that we can trust the will of the Father in whatever it is that we're praying for. If if We need to come before Him for our daily bread, our health, our finances, to sell our house, to, to resolve conflict, forgiveness, protection from evil. You can trust the will of God in all of those things. And when you know that... And when you allow that knowledge to inform how you pray that, and when you trust that, and then when you live like that, what ends up happening is you live God's will on earth as it is in heaven. See, this is how prayer works. And I read this, this quote that I found very powerful this week. is by theologian Carl Barth. He said this. He said, To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. How does prayer do that? How does prayer do that? Because when you climb into the arms of a heavenly father who loves you so much that he sent his son to become like you, to become a servant, to make himself nothing, so that you could have everything, to literally give his life out of his love. When that happens, God's will becomes your will, and then you live that will in everything you do too. And in a warped and crooked generation, like Paul calls it, yelling for a new bike, living for God and others with radical trust in his will for you, you just might start an uprising living like that as well. And these words are just as true today as they ever have been. I, this, is, this is a proof-texted word, right? Sometimes people will grab these words from, from Paul's letter here and say, this is the generation he was talking about. This generation is corrupt and wicked. And the truth is, that's true. It is. But guess what? He was quoting Deuteronomy, which comes from the very beginning of the Bible, which tells you that every generation from the very beginning until Jesus returns has been corrupt and crooked. Which is why living in the faith and trust of the will of God can start an uprising anywhere and anytime. See, this is how the first generation church grew. It wasn't... It wasn't that they took over the government that first generation after Jesus rose from the grave. You haven't read that story in history, have you? It didn't become the Roman Empire of Jesus. The Roman Empire ended up falling. It didn't become this this militaristic powerhouse of an institution. That's not what the first generation church looked like. What the first generation church looked like was a people of God who had such faith in God's will and such trust that they didn't care about what anybody else thought anymore. That they didn't worry about the things that everybody else was worried about. That they were not anxious about the things the world was anxious about. They were no longer concerned because they believed and trusted that someone was watching over them. And because they knew that, they didn't have to get caught up anymore in the rat race of the world. And so Paul shows us what does that look like? Like how does it look boots on the ground to live that way? Verse 14, he says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Those who pray for the will of God and live it shine like stars in a world that is crying out to a God they don't even know for their own will, not his. Let me say that again. Those who pray for the will of God and live it will shine like stars in a world that is crying out to a God they don't even know for their own will, not his. And I saw this play out. I see this play out all the time. And so many people who are faithful. But just this past week, I saw it in a Bible study that I I was able to to visit with with a bunch of dudes from a bunch of different churches. Don Erickson, who's here, um, invited me because he's part of that Bible study. And one of the guys in this group, he shared this video. It was a a documentary of the story of his nephew. His nephew and his wife, they've got two sons. And their their younger son's name is, is Liam. And he died about a year and a half ago. He's only two to three years old after almost a lifelong battle with cancer. And it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. I mean, for me personally, as I'm sitting there looking and thinking about the three boys that I have and the boy who's on his way, and I just, I mean, I could put myself in those shoes as, as best as I could, and it broke my heart. And the story was as heartbreaking as you can imagine. But his parents had faith in Jesus. They had faith in Jesus. And through their tears as they shared their story. And they shared their heartbreak. They also shared their faith. And they shared how their faith in Jesus has carried them through. And you know what they said brought them the most peace? They said knowing that their father has a good and perfect will for all of us, even their son, brought them peace. Knowing that their heavenly father can raise his own son from the grave, they knew that he could raise their son too. And that brings them peace. And until the day comes where where they get to see and experience that and be together again with him, they can pray. And prayer can bring that peace to this moment. Why? Because prayer connects the pain of the present with the hope of the eternal, which is where their son lives right now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you join me together now as we pray that? God, we. We come before you and we acknowledge who you are. You are God. And you are good. You have created the heavens and the earth. Hallowed be your name. You created everything that is good and then you created us and said that we are very good because we represent your likeness and image earth. And not only do we bear a resemblance to our creator, but you invite us to be your agents of heaven, your instruments of peace and hope, that we can come before the Father and we can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven And we can see glimpses of that reality playing out right before our eyes. That that prayer comes true every moment we pray it, knowing not just that we can see your presence in this moment, but knowing that ultimately that is why you came to make heaven and earth one. And the day that you come back, it will be one. And all brokenness and all death and all sin and all cancer and all evil and all worry and concern about receiving our daily bread, all of that will all be thrown as far as the east is from the west and we will be left in the presence of you and of your faithful people. But Lord, forgive us for the times that we've thought about heaven as some far away place. Some place that that's kind of like a spiritual Disney world that we're going to go and float on clouds in the sky and eat our favorite food. Live in mansions. Who knows? Maybe we will float on clouds in the sky. Maybe we will eat our favorite food. I hope so. Jesus, you even said that you were going to prepare a place that the Father's house has many rooms. But as you went to prepare that place for us, you told us how to pray and bring that place here. To bring comfort to those who need comfort, to bring hope to the hopeless And so help us to pray that truth in whatever it is that we're facing today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.